In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns podcast. Well, good morning, Cleveland. That was pathetic. Good morning, Cleveland. Oh, that's so much better. Ian has got the authority to now record, edit, and do all the things that me and Jack hate doing with the podcast, which is called editing. Actually, Jack doesn't really mind doing it, but I'm awful at doing it. But it's a quick podcast. We've got lots of news to talk about. The Browns uniform's coming out. Jack, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. Um, really just looking forward to the draft and sort of three days of just kicking back and doing nothing. Uh, having sport. It's not quite sport, but it, it'll do in these uh, lockdown times. So, uh, no, it's uh, mainly been football manager keeping me sane. So, uh, yeah, been sticking to what you guys are called soccer, um, management game. And that that is life at the minute, which uh, is pretty sad, but uh, it's getting me through. So I can't... Ian? How are you coping, buddy? Buddy, you know, baby. Wow. Either one, either one works. I'll take either. Um, you know, we, I've obviously been working a lot as we are deemed the essential business. So I've been putting in a lot of hours uh, trying to make sure we do what we can to help mitigate the risk. But uh, it looks like things are getting better. I saw that the um, the numbers in Ohio have kind of flattened and started to go down. I think after threatening the Midwestern Ohio people with no football, all of a sudden everybody just started staying in their house because they didn't want to jeopardize no football in the fall. So let's finish up by saying a big shout out to everyone who's working, the NHS, the uh, American equivalent, everyone who's working really hard. But we're not a coronavirus podcast, we're a Browns podcast. And the breaking news at the moment, the Browns fans are voting. Nearly 500 votes are in. Thomas, Wilfs, Wills, and Simmons is up there. And uh, Jack, guess who the po- most popular one that the Browns fans want at the moment? I'm going to guess Thomas. Yep. Uh, Ian, who's your guess at the moment? Who the most popular is? Yeah, from the Browns fans. I still think everybody has a love, love obsession with uh, Mackay Becton. But... I didn't actually put Becton on the list. But um, um, just because you two are not too big fans of it. And uh, yeah, so... To answer the question in, who do you think the fans are going to vote for out of them four names? Tristan Wirfs. I, I think everybody saw his combine and has been in love with him ever since. Well, Thomas, with 42%, is number one. Uh, then it's Simmons. Get excited, Ian. Your boy, 32%. Wirfs, if I said that correctly, I probably didn't. 22%. And Wills is only 4%. So let's, let's just start off with a question here for you, Ian. Why do you think Wills is not getting a lot of love? So Jedrick Wills is a right tackle. And if you look in the Dane Brugler beast guide, uh, you'll see that he has never played left tackle. He played right tackle in high school with like a game where he went over to the left side. He was a highly recruited right tackle. He went to Alabama and played right tackle. If I'm drafting somebody at 10, I don't want to have to go to him and say, oh, by the way, I have this really expensive free agent signing at right tackle. Can you just go learn how to play left tackle? Um, Jason Gibbs and those guys had Jordan Reed on who talked to Andrew Thomas, who specifically made the change at Georgia from right to left tackle. And they asked him like, what was that like? And he said, it's kind of like 
you know, eating with your right hand and then switching and eating with your left hand. If I'm taking a guy number 10 overall, I don't want him to have to do that. So I think Browns fans are aware that that would have to happen. Hence, they're a little bit down on Mr. Jedrick Wills. Jack, what's your views on them stats? Yeah, no, I'm definitely the same when it comes to right, left. Um, even though there's a lot of similarities between their value, if you're a right tackle, you're a right tackle. If you're a left tackle, you're a left tackle. Um, but no, we've got some interesting stuff came out of the PFF analytics mock. They didn't have Wills even in their first round, the first time they did it. They had lots of other tackles that were in there. He wasn't, and he crept in at the back of it. And their second time they did it, he is not one that does, he just doesn't project as well based on the data they're looking at from just their analytics team. We're not talking about the other teams at PFF. But um, I listen to a lot of what those guys are saying. And for me, no, he's not the guy. There's some good tackle prospects out there. There seems to be quite a few further back. Even if you go look at some Josh Jones and some other ones, if you trade back, it's not the end of the world. So let's just play um, some uh, devil's advocate. Ian, the other three names have gone. So Simmons, Wilfs and Thomas is gone. And you're at number 10 and them two are looking at you. Would you pick either of them, Beckton or Wills, or would you just uh, go for someone totally different or trade? For those three guys to be off the board, if three quarterbacks went and I had a guy like maybe Jeff Okuda on the board, um, I don't really have any interest in Derek Brown. Um, I would say of those guys, if Simmons is off the board from a defensive standpoint and Okuda's off the board, Obviously, Chase Young is going to be off the board. Um, I would trade back. I don't have any interest in Becton. I don't have any interest in Jedrick Wills. I just – I don't need Becton's size. I don't think he fits. I don't want a 365-pound man running all game long, which is not what I want him to do. It's going to increase his likelihood of injury, shorten his career. He's going to constantly probably battle, you know, his weight. I mean, remember Joe Thomas used to say how unhealthy he would have to be just to maintain weight. Well, it could be the other way for Beckton. So, yeah, I would – in that situation, I'm trading back. You're not going to entice me on one of the wide receivers at that number. So, let somebody else come up like Tampa Bay, you know, or whoever to come up and jump ahead of the Jets to get the tackle they want. Jack, what's your view at that point, mate? For me, there's, there's three things you can do at 10. You've got Andrew Thomas, you've got Tristan Wirfs, or you've got trade back. Nothing else they do there would slightly interest me. Obviously, we can talk about the – ridiculous outsiders of uh, Chase Young or um, a coup to fall, but I can't see either of them. But for me, I'm, I'm close to, and I'm working on a much bigger piece that I'll go into more depth nearer the draft once I've sort of managed to flush it out and add some more information. I don't think, I think if you're a really, really, really smart team, the only position you draft in the first round is quarterback, where you trade down, trade down and trade down. Teams ridiculously overvalue the first round. The bust rate is really high. And the second round is much, much safer. The bust rate is lower. The contracts are cheaper. And you can get quite a few of them for any first round pick. So for me, I'm close to saying, is drafting in the first round a good idea? I really don't know. Well, Jack, I'm going to come straight back at you on that point. And uh, surely if you get someone in the uh, first round, you get the five years... Uh, guaranteed or the option for five years surely that's one factor to think about when you're taking say two second rounds so the fifth year rules changed this um this class will be the final year when it comes on the old rules um which will be in joku and garrett the changes are that it used to be tiered 
So outside of the top 10, got a much cheaper deal. That tier's gone. They're now going to be fully guaranteed. They were only fully guaranteed for injury. So the days of them not being as risk-free isn't as good anymore. And if we're talking about Miles Garrett, 18 and a half million, I think it would potentially be this year on um, his fifth year option comes in at, and his contracts, what, say 25? There's not actually that much of a saving for the risk you're giving up. And that, that's someone you say, one, if you're taking an edge at, say, 31, and that fifth-year option is $18.5 million, for instance. Uh, the, the figures haven't come out, I don't think, finalised yet. But if you're going to still say $18.5 million for that fifth year on an edge that you drafted the 31st, eh, it doesn't really interest me. So I'm past sort of the value of the fifth-year option. Um, I think the value for it, if you're in the sort of top 10 picks, or you're really high, if you've got a quarterback maybe, but it's not really the thing that it used to be. So I think there's a serious question that needs to get asked is, if you could get three second round picks or have a first round pick, would you rather have the three second round picks? And I think I'm a, I'm a yes there. Ian? No, I think that they've definitely, with modifying these rules, that fifth year option really only becomes financially logical for quarterbacks because of how much they make. Now, will you have an exception like a Garrett or something like that? Yes. But I think if you were, if somebody were to actually study the hit rate on first round picks within the first 20 versus 21 to 32, because those first round picks between 21 and 32 are generally the winning teams with better situations. And nowadays, most of those guys, by the time they reach that fifth year, they're already extended. They're holding out. I mean, there's so much that goes into it now with these modern players. I mean, Jalen Ramsey just came out and said, I want traded. I'm not going to, I mean, through a temper tantrum, because he, his Brinks truck at training camp didn't work, and a top-five pick ushered his way out of a situation in Jacksonville. So, you know, teams are losing leverage left and right, whether it become financially or now with players just demanding to be traded. And what are you going to do, keep this asshole around? No, you got to trade him. I think if you're interested in the draft, a book you really should get your hands on before draft day. I, I picked up and managed to read it in 24 hours. It was that good. And that's why I was still working eight, nine hours during the day, so I literally just read it nonstop, is The Drafting Stage. It's by Brad from Over the Cap, who's been on the show before. You've got Jason from Over the Cap. Um, but them two guys came together, looked at all the value of the first-round picks, looked at a better draft uh, chart, and that was fascinating. Um, so between that and between the stuff that um, PFF have done this year on sort of position curves and how well teams draft, I think there's a lot of questions and, that, and that's something I've been working on. I've, I've sort of been battering the idea around for the last year or so, but never really sort of felt strong enough to say, I think teams are doing this wrong. And it's one that it's not going to be valued there for a long time. The more and more teams trade back that and suddenly teams start increasing the value, uh, decreasing the value of a trade back. And then it's not the incentive that it used to be, but I think it's definitely the question. The second round is the best round based on all the different metrics. Yeah, just to give you an idea, Paul, like for an example of that would be Miles Garrett and TJ Watt were drafted in the same draft, okay? One went number one overall. The other one went, I believe, 30th overall. So if you look at production, now I know Garrett's suspended and all that stuff, but if you look at production, they're about the same. So here coming into their second contract, will Garrett make more? Probably, but how much more is he going to make? And one was taken at number one overall, one was taken at number 30 overall. So 
you're talking about a difference of 30 picks and the value is very minimal between the two guys, but one went to a good situation, one went to a rebuilding situation. Here's, here's a question for you. Is there anyone um, that is sitting there at 10 that just drops for whatever reason that you would also be interested in taking? So obviously Chase Young. J Jack, you wouldn't even hesitate taking Chase Young at 10? Yeah, Chase Young and Akuda are the only two I'd consider. Um, the risk with Akuda, as we've seen with lots of stuff in the past, teams are really, really bad at addressing cornerback. It's why it's alongside running back, but running back because of the, the poor value instance. But they're the two positions you're most likely to become a top 25% player in the NFL and be a UDFA. So teams aren't good at judging them. Um, and when they come into the league, they actually perform a lot better. Um, in many cases. So it's one that is always risky. Um, but would you love to have Ward, Akuda, Greedy Williams? It's in a coverage over pass rush any day of the week league. So yeah, I, I definitely, I would consider that one um, because you, you can get a great tackle when we pick again. Um, and it forces your hand to make that second pick as a left tackle, but I'd still do it. Jack, just one other thing that is, if Derek Brown was there at number 10, would you take him, yes or no? What, a defensive tackle in the first round? <laughs> you, no, I would never do that. Why, why would I even drop him? If he's there when we pick in the second round, I'm not going to drop him. I don't want a defensive tackle. It's not an interesting position to me. It's, yeah, it's uh, better than linebacker. It's better than linebackers, running backs, running backs fat guys. All right, sorry, Jack. I'll ask the question, Ben. <laughs> no, that was the Simmons, best question you've ever asked. Simmons or Derek Brown, sitting there at 10. <laughs> and I can't trade back. No. <laughs> I would take Simmons because he can do more in the coverage game, which Derek Brown obviously can't do anything. All right, Ian, I'll ask you the same question now. Um, uh, obviously, you want to take... Um, if uh, Chase Young is there at 10, I know you're going to take that all day long, but any, of the, any other names there that, for whatever reason, they drop, would you take? No, the only theory I can have is... I mean, Chase Young, I don't know if you saw the report, he's met with three teams. The Bengals, the Redskins, and the Lions. That's it. So all these teams are like, I'm not wasting my time talking to Chase Young because to be frank, he's not going to be there. I mean, the, the, he's not going to be there at the Giants. I mean, if you look at the Vegas odds, he's like minus 8,700 to be drafted in the top three picks. So Akuda's the one, it's highly unlikely, but given the depth of cornerback, you know, you do have that second tier of corners with C.J. Henderson, uh, Trevon Diggs, you know, A.J. Terrell. You've got a couple other guys. I just think Akuda's head and shoulders are better than all of them. So that's why I cannot see him getting past Carolina. Heck, Arizona. He's the perfect replacement for Patrick Peterson. So there's just too many fits before that 10th pick. But if he was there, yes, I would take him. Um, Chase Young, I obviously, but that's almost as bad as that one Steelers guy that was like, you know, asking these dumb wolf, they fell to you questions. I mean, we have to be realistic. Derek Brown is a guy I do see drop uh, falling. I think he probably will be on the board at 10. I just don't see how Carolina or Jacksonville takes him again. Like we were laughing about, he's a D tackle. Who's not, not Aaron Donald at pass rush. I, I watched Derek Brown. I'm like, he's good. I wouldn't touch him in the top 15 picks. I just don't see it. Can you see, uh, Jack, I'll ask you the question. Can you see any of them three quarterbacks not being uh, taken before the Browns get there? Well, I, I think there's two quarterbacks will go. Um, personally, 
if I'm the other teams, I ain't touching any of the other ones um, that high. And yeah, if, if it was me, there would be two quarterbacks gone one and two, and then the rest would all still be on the board by the time 10 comes along. Um, I think a, th- a third one could go. Herbert could go. Um, it'd be a mistake for the Dolphins if they go get him. And um, whoever gets him, it, it might turn out to be a great quarterback, but it would be a mistake because it's a low sample risk, high risk sort of pick. Um, but who knows? Uh, crazy, crazy things can happen in the draft. Teams panic all the time. Um, but it, it, I, I feel it would be a mistake for another one to go. But the more, the merrier. The more quarterbacks go, the more edge, the more interior line. Just as many left tackles on the board would be fantastic. But if there's two quarterbacks gone and then Herbert's the one that the teams want, then, hey, I am up for shifting that pick and selling it for a ransom, adding a first-round pick next year for potentially a team that's going to suck would be perfect. Um, that would be a great deal for Herbert. Hope, uh, probably won't be as high as we got with the Texans, but that high pick would be brilliant. So uh, it's certainly something I'd consider. Yeah, that was going to be my next question and probably my final question. Ian, what would be the perfect... At number 10, two quarterbacks have gone. Someone wants to come up and get Herbert. What would you think our best possible trade deal? It's got to be realistic as well that we could potentially get. You know, the one, the one I like is I, I would sell high on trying to get Tampa Bay. If Tampa Bay at 14 wants to come up, I know they have Tom Brady and everybody thinks they're going to playoffs. I just think that that situation, if Tampa wants to give me like a first next year, um, I know they're at 14, so it wouldn't really take that much, but I'll take all the Tampa Bay draft picks. I just think they're going to suck. Um, I think that if Brady gets hurt all of a sudden, that that becomes a top 10 pick. Um, I see the problem is, is you have this void between 11 and 23 or 22 that none of those guys need quarterbacks, you know, the jets, the Raiders, I mean, the Raiders, I guess, baby, but you know, they have two picks. I don't see them going the Patriots, the saints, I just don't see those aren't front offices that are going to give you that much in assets to come up. I still think it's going to be two quarterbacks. I still think Burrow and Tua are going to be your first two. Listen, I just Oregon and quarterbacks. No, Mariota has shown you what he is. You may not remember this, but there was a while back, a guy named Joey Harrington. He was supposed to be the greatest thing. And he, I think went number two or three overall, the lions, he sucked. I don't see how you take Jordan Love or Justin Herbert in the top 20. I still think that when the Patriots are sitting there at 23, they're going to have, you know, Herbert, Love, uh, Jake Eason, Jake Fromm. I think all those guys are going to be on the board. I just don't see teams. I don't see the benefit of these teams taking a quarterback that high up. So, you know, realistically, anything past 17 is probably where you're talking first uh, round pick next year. So the problem is, is all those front offices aren't going to give it to you. Jack, your view on that? It's difficult to know sort of what teams are willing to pay and how desperate they are. Um, personally, I, I wouldn't mind second round picks this year rather than first round picks next year. Um, so it's one, it depends. If you want that long-term plan, then by all means add the first round pick next year. If you want the short-term win, getting that extra second this year can be good because that leaves you lots of wide receivers, lots of left tackles there. You can then start piling up and really adding more and more. Um, The more day two picks, fantastic. Um, The one team in the draft that does scare me is Jacksonville. I'm worried that they might go into a full rebuild. And the issue is if they're selling their pick at the same time we're selling ours, the value of ours goes down drastically. So that is the one thing just to keep in mind 
um, because that might put a poo-poo on it because if they're saying we'll take whatever the Browns are willing to accept, then people are going one pick higher and they're always going to take that one pick higher if is they're matching their deal. So uh, just keep an eye on it. It could happen. And Jack, uh, for, a, um, for some picks this year, for our first round, the 10th draft pick, what would you like to see us gain out of that? A second and a third extra or? Until you know how far you're moving back, because obviously the difference between moving back four picks or moving back all the way to say the late 20s, early 30s is completely different. So it's impossible to put your finger on it, but as many first, second and third round picks, I'm not that interested in adding picks in sort of day three. Give me as many picks in day one and day two. Um, And I wouldn't even mind as much if we're giving up picks on day three to get more on day two. If, if we give up our first, get sort of, say we give up our first and our fourth, for instance, and we get a first next year, a second this year, and a third this year that are quite high, then, hey, I'm happy with that. that that's the sort of stuff that, as long as you package it and structure it the right way, then, yeah, you can do it. But it's looking at the value after the picks because on, off the top of it, you, you just don't know. All right, guys. Well, look, this week on the podcast, we have got some huge guests coming on. We've got Jeff Lloyd coming on. We've got Scott Pendrack coming on. We have got Joe Thomas. I spoke to him yesterday. Still keen to come on. But we haven't got a date confirmed yet. So uh, a lot of people confirmed to come on. Let me see. Brown's Daily Mock Draft, one of your favourites, Jack? He's a lad. Uh, Mac Robinson, spoken to. Ian's got a series of four podcasts to go up as well. We are going to be going daily until the draft. So, really exciting times, guys. I think Joe, we, we rumoured with Jeff, uh, Joe Thomas was going to be the 500th show, I think we're coming up to. So, we're going to try to squeeze that in there if we can. Yeah, it'll be around 500. Uh, God knows, uh, God knows so, if we get it. Uh, he's, a busy, he's a busy guy around uh, draft time. So, you know, that's, that's a tough one. But, no, it's a, it's a slate of good guess. I know you mentioned... Uh, a few, a few of those solid ones. I'll be curious to hear from Petrak because this year, you know, like we talked, if I'm in the media and I'm covering the jerseys and I'm watching on the internet the same as all of the fans and for the draft, am I sitting at home watching the same things? Like, I'm curious how difficult it's going to be for the media guys to cover because in essence, they're just going to be like us sitting at home forming opinions and jumping on conference calls after the picks, which we hear live stream. So... You know, I'm curious to hear from Petrak how their job is going to be different this year as opposed to years past. Because it's not like they're going to be hanging out in Andrew Barry's basement. Who knows? They may get a special Zoom link for faster coverage. Obviously, the Browns media are going to be speaking to them as quick as they can, try and keep control of the media. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. see. But, guys, I'm going to have to love you and leave you. I am going on the roof to make some uh, burgers and uh, – get the barbecue lit. I'm going to try for my third time to get a good barbecue going. Jeez. And I got all these second round talented prospects to talk about. And you're just worried about burgers. Anyway, guys, I'm going to leave you to it. Um, if you want to talk about second rounders, feel free to chew off Jack's ear with uh, second round talent. All right. Last second round question here before we go, who do you think we're taking the second round or what position? Well, obviously, it'll dictate a lot from what the um, 
what they're doing in the first. But ironically enough, the Browns have been linked to some corners, which I found odd. You know, guys like, you know, Cam Dantzler, uh, Amik Robertson, there's been a few guys that they've been linked to. So the Browns may be looking at some corners. Um, it's unique, but I think it'll just depend on, you know, does T. Higgins, does a wide receiver fall, does an edge fall? Um, I think we all know the Browns' needs. You know, if they do go with, say, someone like Simmons, you could see one of those guys like Ezra Cleveland or Jones, you know, those guys find out who they want to jump up and get. The interesting teams in the second round, I mean, I'll leave on this point, is you have the Colts and the Chargers. So the Colts have the second pick of the second round, and the Chargers have the fifth pick of the second round. So if both of those, well, obviously the Colts don't have a first round pick, but if the Chargers pass on a quarterback in the top 10, it would not take much for them to get from 34 and 37 respectively back into the first round to get those quarterbacks that are sliding. So like Jack's point, load those guys up because I think whenever that draft starts on day two, and we're looking at all the talent that the Bengals have to choose from they're going to have a plethora. The only thing they could do is pick Austin Corbett at 33 to really blow. Cause I think there's going to be, there's going to be some serious talent on the board because I just look at all these guys and there's like 15, 20 guys that are still on the board at 20 that I would love for the Browns to have. Jack. It's a, it's a difficult question. It's like, it'd be easier if you asked me to pick the lottery numbers. Um, who's going to be left there in this second round is a completely different question. Um, but uh, no, I think slot cornerback is a position which we don't really have anyone on the roster at the moment. So uh, if they can find the guy, then uh, go ahead and jump on it. But no, today, Cole Joseph was signed. So that's officially all of our players that there were deals out there signed. Um, I'm waiting for some more to come in. There will be more. Um, but it's going to be interesting to keep an eye. Yeah. One all of the right. reasons I think corners... All right, guys. Sorry. You're fine. I was going to say, one of the reasons the slot corner is kind of a need, they signed Kevin Johnson, but he's battled injuries, so I don't think you can fully rely on him. So having a young guy to come in to kind of offset is going to be – because a lot of people say, oh, we signed Kevin Johnson as a slot corner. No, we did, but he's not exactly the most, uh, you know, reliable guy. All right, guys, I'm going to finish up by saying, go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns. Down and 10, takes the snap, gives it, Chubb runs, he's to the 10, 15, he's to the 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, there goes.